Hello, Ben again, listeners. Te saco la caca con mi pinche leño. ¿Dónde está la biblioteca? Necesito todos los hombres con doce pulgadas para mi boca y mi culo. If you know Spanish, you know just how gay I am. If you don't know Spanish, never mind. Well, I recorded a podcast earlier today, technically at 12.20 in the morning. And uh, it's still the same date, technically, but it's another podcast. So... Here is episode slash volume 9 of the Bennigan podcast. Also on this day in history, J. Robert Oppenheimer dies. And if you've never heard of Oppenheimer, he was one of the people who helped create the, ato- uh, the atomic bomb. I am a fan of history, so I know this well, and I'll be playing his speech for you shortly, in which you can hear in, in, in the tone of his voice, he regrets... Uh, helping create something that killed so many people. Obviously, most of the people that were killed in the bombs that were dropped on Nagasaki were innocent. And um, Hiroshima also, of course. And uh, he he was very... I don't know. He went into a deep depression in this very famous interview. You can watch on YouTube. Just type in Oppenheimer interview. You can see the look on his face. It's very blank. It's sort of like there's the lights are on, but nobody's home. I cannot imagine. He must have, he must have had trouble sleeping. He must have had trouble with his conscience after creating something that killed uh, how many people? I think 300,000, 200,000 people, it says. Okay, so I was close. But I will play this for you, and you can just kind of tell in, in the tone of his voice how he felt about being the creator of something that wiped out such a large amount of people. The world would not be the same. Few people laughed. Few people cried. Most people were silent. I remembered the line from the Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita, Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. I can't imagine being partially or wholly responsible for something that wipes out thousands of families, innocent lives. And see, I have trouble sleeping at night if I hurt somebody's feelings. I'll just think like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that to some person. But this guy, he was responsible for a bomb that just took people off the map, erased them like they never existed. Interesting. Well, if you're into history, you can check more on that, but I I suppose you're probably not. It's not a very common topic, not something that people are really into. I'm a nerd, so I'm into shit like that. Psychology and history and math and numbers. I love numbers. Odds. So uh, here's the way I see just numbers every day in life. Every day, everything that you do, every step that you take, every place that you go... 
is is numbers. It can be broken down into numbers. And what I mean is, say you leave at 3 p.m. You leave your house at 3 o'clock, and you don't know this yet, but there's an accident that's going to happen at 3.05 p.m. on the road that you usually take, okay? But for some reason, something inside you says, oh, I take the back roads today. I mean, I usually don't go this route on the way to work or on the way home, but I'm going to go this way. And you avoid the accident that you would have been a part of had you gone the way you usually go. Now, the chances that just today, for whatever reason, you took the back roads home are very slim. The only thing that kept you alive was the fact that you randomly decided to go the other way instead of the way you would normally go. Say you went the normal route and that accident was still going to happen at 3.05 p.m., but a train passed by and you stopped instead of gunning it and getting past the train. Well, now it's 3.05 and you're still stuck behind the train waiting and that accident happens. Say the same instance is taking place, but you gun it. You go past the train. You're like, fuck that. I'm not waiting for this stupid train. I do that all the time. I'm not waiting. Okay, so you get past the train and you go down that road and you're involved in said collision and something bad happens to you or whoever is with you. All of these things were possible. All of these things were up to time. It's sort of like fate. It was determined. It was going to happen. It just depends on luck, sort of, so to speak. RNG, random number generator. Every step that we take, every move that we make has potential consequences. It has a potential to be good or bad or none at all, neither, neutral. If you stop to check your phone while walking down a hallway and then just then someone steps in front of where you would have walked, you would have ran into said person, you know, it. there's just... Everything, literally every step that you do, every move that you make could potentially be dangerous or not dangerous. Or you could run into someone that you never would have met. Say you go to Walmart at 5 o'clock and you were planning on going at 6, but you thought, I'll just get this trip over with. i got to get some groceries. And you run into an old friend that you wouldn't have seen had you waited until 6. And you say, hey, yeah, give me a call sometime and you meet up with this person and you become friends again and you start hanging out. Fate. There's just shit that you can experience that you wouldn't have experienced had you gone at any other time. It's like right place, right time, or in some cases, wrong place, wrong time. What if you decided to wait until 8 p.m. and you go to Walmart and just as you're getting out of the car, somebody happened to have a gun in the Walmart parking lot and was shooting everybody they saw, Boom, you're one of those people. Every day we face thousands of ways that we could die or thousands of ways that we could create sort of a new love or respect for this life. And it all sort of is just luck, like I said before. It, I don't know. I find that kind of interesting. So numbers, they're interesting to me. You know, I, uh, I fired up my computer a little bit ago and... One of, I'm not kidding here, this is, <laughs> you can't make this up. One of the main news stories on ABC.com, some news channel, is Selena Gomez unfollows her ex, The Weeknd, on Instagram. I don't know who The Weeknd is, but apparently some dude that she dated, I know she's hot, but 
That that literally was front page news. Oh my God. No wonder I hate technology and the progression of the way things are headed. I hate it. I can't stand it. That's considered news. People are like, oh my God, Taylor Swift got a new boyfriend. Oh my God, you don't understand. Selena unfollowed her ex on Instagram. I cannot believe this is happening. Kim Kardashian took a new selfie. Oh my God, you gotta see this. Who fucking cares? Why do people care about any of that? I'll never understand it. And it gets millions of hits. Millions of people click that link, read that story. I don't, I don't understand it. Do you have nothing better going on in your life? Read a book, watch a movie, play a game, call somebody, talk to somebody. Anything would be better than knowing or caring what some fucking skanky ass celebrity is up to. Nobody cares. Selena Gomez and Taylor Swift and Kim Kardashian are going to take more selfies. It's going to happen. Count on it. They're going to have more songs, more videos, more relationships. Nobody gives a fuck. Why does anybody care? Oh my God. It gives me an aneurysm. It gives me a headache. I just don't get it. Why does that stuff matter? And how is that the second most fucking talked about news story? She unfollowed her ex on Instagram. <laughs> That's so stupid. Think about that. I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just better than everybody else. Maybe that's what it is. I don't get it. It's like they're they're hypnotized. They're in a trance. They just have to follow up on, and keep up on current celebrity news and stuff. Why does it matter? Those people don't give a fuck about you. You should not give a fuck about them. Selena Gomez would not take off her coat and give it to you. If you were freezing to death, she doesn't know you. She doesn't give a fuck about you. Don't worry about those people. They're in their own world. They're in their elitist group, and they're constantly kissing each other's asses. Here's an Emmy. Here's a Grammy. Here's an award. Here's a trophy. Just constantly kissing each other's asses. And their lives are so jaded already. It's not like they need that. The last thing that they need is more people giving a fuck about who they follow on Instagram. I would sooner die than live a life where I cared about things like that. I cannot imagine that sad existence. Well, better check the news today. Gotta see which celebrity broke up with who. Oh my god, get a life. Worry about your own stuff. Ugh, it's just sad. So I watched a uh, video yesterday. Um, this guy weighed 850 pounds, and it was just a clip of what it was like to weigh 850 pounds, basically. He called 911 because he sat down on his recliner and he slid down the, the bottom of it. He couldn't stay in the recliner. And because he slid down, he was sort of half on the recliner and half not. Like he was on the floor, but he was also in the chair. You're 850 pounds. I'm 220. So it's almost four of me. And I'm a semi-big dude, right? And so he's like, hey, uh, I need to have you send an ambulance again. Like it was no big deal. 911, what is your emergency? I can't get up. What? What do you mean you can't get up? Did you like break your hip or something? No, I'm a fat piece of shit. I'm 850 pounds and I just can't get up. Where are you? Are you trapped in a well? Uh, what, what's wrong? I'm just on my living room floor. Just chilling. Can't, I can't roll over. I can't get up. Oh my God. How do people let themselves get to that point? I love pizza. I love Chinese food. I like the occasional monster energy drink. I like calories. But even in my sedentary lifestyle, I'm maintaining 220. You know, I'm not, I don't exercise. I probably eat 
more than I should. But how the fuck do people get to 850 pounds? What? How much would you have to let yourself go to weigh 300 pounds? I would have to completely give up. I would have to not move. I'd wake up in bed and go, bring me pizza. And then eat pizza and be like, I'm tired. And go back to bed. And I'd have to repeat that for like at least a year before I would weigh 300 pounds. 850 pounds. Jesus Christ. No wonder every other fucking country in the world hates us and views us as a bunch of fat, ignorant bastards. How do we even have people get to that point? It doesn't make sense. That was just something I wanted to point out. I don't know. I don't hate obese people. I just hate how they sort of... Uh, they play the, the victim card. Like, I can't believe this happened to me. Hand me another large pizza. It doesn't make sense. You do that to your fucking self. I understand there are gland problems and there are genetics involved, you know, with certain levels of overweightness slash obesity. But to get to that point, you'd have to almost try. Think of you you right now. What do you weigh? What is the average person? 170, 200, 150, 220. Uh, in, you know, rarer cases, 250. How would you go about trying to weigh 850 pounds if someone said, hey, I need you to weigh 850 pounds? What are you going to do? You'd have to burn as few calories as possible. You'd have to eat as much food as possible. I don't get it. How is that even possible? I don't know. I woke up today kind of feeling sort of bummed out about the way things work as far as staying in touch with people. I understand life moves fast and you've got families and you've got uh, relationships and children and pets and jobs and I get it. Life moves fast. Things aren't like they used to be when we were in high school. We can't just call each other and hang out on a dime. But I still try to keep in touch with people that I like from my past, as I've mentioned before. Um, people that I consider good people. People that I like. People that even though I do not see physically anymore, I know that deep down inside they are still big-hearted, kind, gentle, loving people. I just, I miss them. I'm, I think we all do. I think we can all at least think of a handful of people from our past, whether it was high school or middle school, family, friends, just people we don't really talk to anymore and that we miss. Think about that for a second. Some girl that you used to be friends with or some guy that was just really nice to you. I miss that. And as we age, that sort of just gets left in the dust. I understand it. Don't hate the player, hate the game. That's just how life works. I make an effort, an attempt, to stay in at least somewhat contact with some of these people from the previous chapters in my life. But when I do send out a text or give a call or send a Facebook Messenger message, just a heads up, you know, what I get in return is, is mind-boggling. I stay in contact with a handful of people, right, from high school. And I graduated 10 years ago. And these are people that I haven't seen in person, but I still talk to them once in a while. I know that what we used to have was a, a good friendship, uh, friendship and uh, we were close. So I message once in a while this girl named Amanda. I like Amanda. I love Amanda. She's great. She was one of my favorite people growing up. She was pretty. She was nice. But she was always so shy. And it was kind of cute. It was like, ah, oh, Mandy, come on, just break out of that shell. I know you have a personality. And she's doing well now. She has a couple kids. She's with her uh, high school sweetheart, Devin. 
they were a good couple always. And she's talking about how she wants to move up the corporate ladder and start her own company. And she doesn't, she's really not a fan of mediocrity, you know, financially speaking. And I talked with her recently. I told her, don't act like mediocrity and being average is something to frown upon. It's not good to think that way because you'll never be happy. Be happy with what you've got and do the best with what you have. It's great that you have ambitions and motivations to start a new company, but don't let that decide who you are. If you're a judge and you're judging Amanda's life, don't look at, you know, just financially speaking, don't look at that and say, okay, I'm judging you solely on this. You have a big heart. You're a sweetheart. You're a great person. You touched the lives of people around you and people remember that. I remember that. And like she told me, nobody keeps in contact with me anymore. You're the only one to message me, really, you know. And I just, at least once every week or two, I'll say, Hey, Amanda, I hope everything's going well. I hope your family's doing well. You're a great person and you deserve to be happy. I just think it's a good thing to occasionally remind good people that they are good. I don't think good people get enough credit. Personally, I think that there are so many bad things happening and so many bad people that the good people sort of get overshadowed. And personally, I like to remind these people that they are good and that they should be, uh, they should be happy. They deserve it. And they should be, you know, just count your blessings. Be thankful that you're such a good soul because you could be some cunt that nobody liked. And so like, that's how I, you know, Amanda and, um, a couple other high school friends, we had a Spanish foreign exchange student. Her name was Cristina Moya. You know, obviously, Spanish as fuck. Moya, Mola. And um, she was one of my favorite people. One of my best female friends in high school. Even though she was only there for, you know, what, one, two years, whatever it was. And I, I always liked talking to her. She was such a kind soul and so gentle and nice and a sweetheart. And very pretty, of course. But we were just friends. I was with Hillary at the time, so obviously we were just friends because I'm loyal as fuck. But I hadn't talked to Christina in a while, and since I deleted my Facebook many moons ago, I don't see posts, and I don't comment, and I don't like, and I don't, you know, I don't stay in touch that way. So what I'll do is occasionally just reach out. And um, I was on Facebook Messenger talking to somebody, probably Jordan or Shannon or Amanda, the three main people that I talked to. And um, I saw that Christina Moya came online. And I hadn't talked to her in many months. I don't know, maybe even a year. So I just, I decided to send her a quick message. It said, hey, Christina, I hope all is well. You're still one of the favorite people that I've ever met. And I think you deserve to be happy. And I, I just, I hope that everything's going well for you. I miss you. Take care. It was just something like that. You know, something to let let her know that someone's thinking about her and maybe she was having a rough day or maybe feeling kind of blah, as we do occasionally. And what I like to do is just, I like to reward good people uh, for, for the way they are by just maybe making them feel good. So I sent that message and I went to bed and I woke up and it was, it was a response from her, but it was like, hey, are you okay? Hello? Answer me. And I said, what? You know, and she goes, don't ever worry me like that again. And I said, what are you talking about? She replies, that sounded like a goodbye message, like you were going to kill yourself or something. And 
I said, Jesus Christ, is it that odd to reach out to old friends and old acquaintances and family members that you haven't spoken to in a while? Is it so weird to do that, that if someone does, you think that's a goodbye? I don't know. I guess it kind of sounded like a goodbye message, but she should know me better than that. I ain't life's bitch. Life is my bitch. I ain't going down like that. I'm going out on my shield. So I messaged my buddy Jordan. Jordan's one of my best buddies, even though I only know him uh, via video games and online. I've never met him in person, but I've talked to him off and on, mostly on, since 2004 when I met him in a video game called RuneScape, and he's been one of my best, so to speak, online buddies since then. And he's a good guy. He's very objective. I try to take a page out of his book when it comes to uh, observing things, life in general, and evaluating them, because he's good at being objective. He can look at something and go, well, no, keep your head on your shoulders here. This is what this could mean. Don't, don't jump to conclusions. He's good at shit like that. Well, I asked him, I said, why in the world would she get all worried and tell me not to worry her ever again like that if all I was just saying was, hey, I hope all, you know, all is well. I miss you. You were one of the favorite people that I ever met. And he said, it's probably because it's 2018, and nowadays, if you reach out to somebody you haven't spoken to in a long time, they automatically assume that you need something or you want something from them, because why else would you do that? People aren't that social anymore. It's not like it used to be. If you used to call somebody out of the blue and say, how you doing, man? I just wanted to talk and catch up. You know, back before all this technology took over and made everybody antisocial. If it used to do that, it was normal. Nowadays, if you were to just message somebody you haven't spoken to in years and say, hey man, how's it going? They're automatically probably going to think this person wants something, this person needs something, or something's wrong. You know, I understand. And I hadn't really thought about it like that. But after Jordan told me that, I guess that makes sense. No one's ever really reached out to me like that and just said, hey man, I need a favor. I know it's been a while. But I guess, you know, what else, what else would they say? Fucking nobody reaches out to me like that. I do it constantly to people. I instigate conversations constantly. And not as much the last few months as I have over the years, but that's kind of been my thing. I will message Nessa, this girl that I used to get babysat with when I was a young kid. She's a few years younger than me. But we used to get babysat together by her mom because my parents knew her mom and they would watch me. Uh, her mom's name is Monica, and her grandmother's name is uh, fucking Karen. Karen, there we go. My mom was friends with them, and through them, I, I don't remember this, but I used to get babysat with Nessa. So I tried over the last couple of years or so, just once in a while, to reach out to Nessa, because I know that she didn't have the greatest upbringing, and she struggles with, you know, things like depression and once sort of like... Everybody has their own battles that they fight. I just, I like to occasionally pop in and say, hey, I hope all is well. I mean, if there's anything you want to talk about, I'm an ear to speak to. I'm a shoulder to cry on. I'm just, you know, I'm here if, if you ever feel lonely or whatever. Sort of like I do with Amanda or anybody else. And not necessarily only if someone's having a tough time in their life, but just in general. I'll reach out. Uh, Riley, Nessa, Amanda, Christina... Um, just people in general that I'll reach out to via text or messenger and I'll say, hey, you know, how's it going? How's everything going? 
this this young girl named Taylor, who was semi-fond of me, and she would kind of be in the same boat, like constantly talking about how, oh, I'm sad, I'm feeling anxious, and I would talk with her, I would talk with whoever, you know? I reach out to these people, and what I'm understanding is, if I don't reach out, there's zero communication, zero. I haven't sent a message to several of these people, except Amanda, because she's awesome. I haven't sent a message to several of these people in many months, and I have not heard from these people in many months. I don't know if people have anxiety. I don't know if they just only were responding because they were like, this guy's a dork. I'm going to talk with this guy. <laughs> I don't know. I doubt that because I understand they have issues, you know, they've talked to me about. But I just don't get it. Why don't people fucking talk to each other anymore? It doesn't make sense to me. If somebody had been reaching out to me constantly and checking on me and just telling me, hey, you know, I like you. You're one of my favorite people. I hope I hope that you're doing well. And then I didn't hear from this person in fucking ages. I would reach back out and say, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. What's going on? Like, are you all right? You used to message me a lot. What's going on? But I haven't gotten that. And I'm sort of stubborn. Like, I get it. I get it. Life sucks. And I get it that everyone's all caught up in their own stuff. But it, it kind of bothers me that none of these people, none of them, zero, will send a message. Just a simple, quick message. It takes you 10 seconds. How busy can you be? Hey, just checking in. Hope all is well. You know, I like you. I've met X amount of people in this existence since I've been here for 20 some years on earth. And you're one of my favorite ones. So I thought I would check on you. Nothing like that. Not even a hey, hello. And they're constantly online. You can see who's online and you can see who's not. I don't get it. I don't know. What do you think? Does it, am I the am I crazy here? If you call or text somebody and they just never fucking call you back, what are you supposed to think? Especially when it's somebody that you've only ever had good encounters with, only had good conversations with. We're not enemies. I'm not calling somebody who fucking hates me and then expecting a call back or you know a message back. I don't know. That's not how I roll. Um, I suppose in the future I may check up on said people. Again, there's like five or six of them. I used to talk to frequently and consistently at least 15 people on Messenger. I would have conversations going so that I would re be responding to this person and I'd get a message from that person and that person and that person. And it was just, it was almost too much. Like I couldn't keep up. And nowadays, if I left my phone just sitting there unchecked for three days, I would bet that if I checked it, I don't have a single message. Maybe one from Jordan. That's it. Just like telling me his Jordan stories. Like, yeah, I made this. He's big into food. He'll tell me, like, I just made this steak with mushrooms. And I'm big into food, too. I, I'm a culinary fan as well, so I like that stuff. But most people would be like, cool, you ate a fucking steak, so what? Well, it's not for everybody. I get it. But the point is, if I were to abandon my phone completely, just take my smartphone and chuck it in a lake... Nothing would change. I would hear from the same amount of people, zero, and I don't get it. Why are people like that? You can't tell me that you're so happy that you don't even think about other people, like you're so tied up in yourself and the things you're doing that you don't even give a second thought to other people. There's got to be more to it. I don't know. 
because when I did have my Facebook activated and my Snapchat activated, nothing but sad stories. Feeling depressed today. Dear Facebook, I just wish other people would appreciate me. Feeling angry. I wish that asshole wouldn't have talked to me that way. Just very rarely would you have a great story or an uplifting, motivating, happy story on Facebook. Everyone is like, woe is me. Sad day. Didn't get the job I wanted. Just got fired. You know, just... And yet these people, when reached out to, refuse to reach back. Oh, my boyfriend cheated on me. I'm like, well, uh, how does that make you feel? You want to talk? I'll, I, I've been there. I, I can both listen and talk. I can offer some advice, some wisdom. I, I'm here for you. And they're just like, eh, you know, I'm just going to live my life in silence and solitude. I don't get it. I'm a fucking selective listener and sort of lone wolf myself. But even I am not so caught up in myself that nobody else exists. Holy balls. Had to get that off my chest. I don't understand. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you can't. <clears throat> I, uh, this is off, you know, off the topic, but uh, off topic. Um, I have a really good record, criminally speaking, because I'm just a dork. And the only difference between me and people who have a record really are people that just got caught. My buddy Eric, who is another friend of mine that I only know online and have never been, met in person, but I have talked to him for over 10 years on text or call or messenger or whatever in a game. And so he's sort of like Jordan in that aspect. I only know him online. But he recently told me, man, I just feel like I'm 20-some years old and I haven't accomplished anything in life. And I'm a felon. I have 11 felonies on my record. And I just feel like I'm a piece of shit you know like what have I done why should I feel like I have any worth and I'm a little older I've been through some different shit than he has and I just told him that is a horrible way to look at things the only difference between you and I is you got caught I did the same shit you did many times I had enough drugs on me or enough whatever on me or I've done this and that and the only difference is you got caught you can't look at yourself like you're a piece of shit just because you got caught 80% of the world has done shit that could land them in jail. That's not an exaggeration. Whether you've stolen something, whether you've lied under oath or perjury, whether you've started a fire and it got out of hand and you burned down a fucking house or a forest, whether you've had more than the minimum amount of drugs or alcohol in your system and you drove or you had it on you, goes on forever. There's just... The only difference between quote-unquote bad people and then us is they got caught and we didn't. I told him, just keep your head up, man. Chin up. You're a good dude. You're a hard worker. So you, ran, you had some misfortune. Unlucky. You got caught. I didn't. I've had cocaine on me. I've had speed on me. I've had meth on me. I've had uh, lab-grade heroin on me. I had never did heroin, but... That's what those really hardcore, uh, what the fuck are they called? Those those pain pills. They're a level above. Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank. What are they called? Well, you know what I mean. Uh, Oxycontin. There we go. Some people think that it's Oxycontin, like cotton candy, but it's actually Oxycontin. And those people are idiots. But anyway, I've had those, which is heroin. If I got caught with those and I don't have a prescription for it, that's a felony. 
you know? So I can't pretend like I'm better than criminals because I just didn't get caught. The only thing I have on my record is two open containers. <clears throat> and you know what's funny? And of course, you know, I blew a zero zero on my uh, breathalyzers. I wasn't drinking. The shit was just in my car. There's a story that goes along with that. So two counts of open containers. I don't know if that means that they're counted as separate, or I don't know if that means that there was just two open containers in my car, but it was one event, one singular event. <clears throat> so I was uh, 20 fucking one or two. I had just gotten out of a relationship with my ex-girlfriend, Ashley. She broke up with me, decided there was no future. You're depressed. I just don't see like, you know, having a family or kids with you because you don't have a future for yourself. How can I have a future with you? I've been over that. Ad nauseum. Not going to talk about it anymore. But I was at the time single and trying to live as a bachelor would, although not really accustomed to it, not really used to it. So I was just hanging out with chicks that were my age, maybe a little younger, of age, you know, at least 18, and banging these hot chicks, right? It was great. Hard to be depressed when you have young, hot chicks that are just constantly trying to ride your dick. So I can't complain. But anyway, I was hanging out with a couple of them this one night. I was hanging out with Jessie and her friend Lacey. And um, I worked with Jessie at Jimmy John's, where I was the night shift manager, and her friend Lacey, who I met through Jessie. Well, I was hanging out with them, and we decided to drink, right? We were hanging out at my apartment, and we had mixed drinks out in the parking lot. We were just chilling. And we were like, hey, let's go for a drive. It's nighttime. And I said, I'm not going to drive because I, I'm not, you know, I don't want to get pulled over and get a DUI, a Dewey. And some guy that I don't even fucking know, I only knew him by first name basis because he was a friend of a friend of Jesse's. He was there and he was like, I don't drink, I'll drive. And he was kind of a sketchy fella. I didn't, I was like, yeah, okay, you can drive my car. Let's go. You know, he didn't have a car and he was a, an ex-alcoholic, so he was clean now, supposedly, and wasn't drinking. We knew that because we were with him. And I said, yeah, okay, me and Jesse and Lacey will ride with. You just drive us. We'll go out on the back roads or whatever. It's nighttime. <clears throat> and we, uh, we're out in the middle of fucking nowhere. And we go underneath this overpass by, you know, some railroad tracks. And then flashing lights. And a cop pulls up behind us and we're like, what the fuck? And I wasn't worried because he hadn't been drinking and he was driving the car. But at this time, Jesse was 17 and, okay, so Lacey was like 19. She was of age. I was banging Lacey at the time. And Jesse was like 17, almost 18. And I was like, oh shit, Jesse's drunk. She's 17. This is not good. So we get pulled over. Anyway, um, the cop isolates us. This is a typical strategy for people who get, you know, for a cop who pulls people over, immediately they will isolate you. They'll get you separated. They'll, they'll try to get a, a story out of everybody. And the reason why they do this is because then nobody gets a chance to say, okay, this is what we tell him. This is something that we all agree on. This is what we were doing. They do that so that you can, uh, you are not able to, uh, collaborate and tell the same story. He gets a story from everybody, and if it matches up, great. If it doesn't, something's amiss. Something's wrong. Well, I blew a zero zero, even though he suspected that I was drunk. He gave me a breathalyzer, and I said, uh, yeah, I'm fucking 21 anyway, so what the fuck does it matter? Well, 
Jessie blew well over the legal limit, and she was 17, so she was cuffed and put in the back of the police car, and he interviewed us pretty much all one at a time, sort of a miniature interrogation. What are you guys doing out here? And then he searched my car. Luckily, we didn't bring any of our weed with us, but he pulls out these two plastic cups, and he smells them, and he goes, oh, this isn't good. Smells like there was some alcohol in here. And I said, oh, yeah, um, we drank it before we left. I just didn't want to go unlock my apartment and put the cups in there. But those are cups from my house. And we had mixed drinks before we left. So uh, obviously we didn't drink and drive. We didn't uh, have any alcohol in the car. The reason why you smell alcohol is because those were previously mixed drinks. And he goes, doesn't matter. They're in your car. That's an open container. And I said, wait a second. The driver blew a zero zero. He's of age. I blew a zero zero. It's my car. These are just plastic cups, you know. They did have alcohol in them at one point in time, but then we finished that, and then we just brought them with because I didn't want to throw them on the ground. That's littering. I didn't want to go back into my apartment. So I thought this was bullshit. Like, okay, yeah, it's an open container. I get an open container because it's my car. So I was able to either show up in court and dispute it, or I had to pay a fine. I paid a fine. I was just like, whatever, I'm not dealing with you dumb fucks. It was one of those deals where the law kind of had some fine print on me. Bullshit. Yeah, I get it. But after he pulled away, this cop that night, he pulled away with Jesse in his back seat because she was underage and Lacey wasn't drunk. I wasn't drunk and whatever his name was, some dude wasn't drunk. He was driving my car and uh, Jesse was. So she was, since she was underage, she was taken to wherever the fuck they take underage people who are drunk and they shouldn't be. So we were all like, oh shit. So it was just us three. From four to three. And then there were three. So we drive away. I'm driving now because obviously I, the, the alcohol had clearly worn off. I was drinking earlier in the day, but I blew a zero zero. So either that was a faulty test or I just wasn't drunk at all. So I'm driving away and we get down the block, you know, and the cop goes the other way down the mile marker. And uh, the guy goes hey, turn around. We got to go back to where we got pulled over. And I said, why? And he goes, I got to go get my guns. And I was like, what? What do you mean you got to go get your guns? You have guns on you? He goes, yeah, I threw them out when he was interviewing you guys. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. So we turn around, we go back to the approximate area. He grabs, you know, his phone flashlight or whatever. And he goes into the ditch and he grabs a couple of pistols. And he's like, cool, let's go back. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why did you have guns on you? Why? We were just out on a fucking friendly cruise. You didn't need to do that. If you would have got caught, he's like, yeah, these aren't my guns. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what were you planning? Why is everybody so fucked up? Can't we just have a normal night? Son of a bitch. <clears throat> so that's my, uh, the only thing that's on my record. And I could, like I said, I could have had many other things on my record. I just didn't get caught. That's the difference between me and these quote unquote criminals. So I don't look down on people like that. I think that it's sort of fucked up. Joe Rogan once had a metaphor in which he described how fucking stupid it is that people can get in trouble for harmless crimes like doing drugs, like smoking weed, like taking pills, like uh, victimless crimes is what they call them. He said, imagine there was four people in the world. That's it. Just four. And you're on an island with three other people and it's just you. And you find some plant, whatever some herb, and you decide to smoke it and catch a little buzz. You're just enjoying yourself. You're just hanging out. And they find out, and they're like, well, we got to lock this guy in a cage. We can't have this. 
even though you're not doing anything wrong except wanting to eat more food. Okay, that's fucking ridiculous. And it is equally as ridiculous if you scale up the numbers. Four people, four thousand, four million, four billion. It's equally as retarded. The laws just don't make sense. Oh, you're you're enjoying yourself and catching a buzz and getting drunk and getting fucked up? Okay, well, you're going to have to come with me. Handcuff you. They ruin your life. My favorite author, Graham Hancock. Check out his books if you've never heard of him. He's amazing. He's a big... Com uh, component? Uh, proponent. There we go. He's a big proponent of uh, being able to explore your consciousness via psychedelics like mushrooms, acid, marijuana, edibles, drugs. He thinks that it's super fucked up that people can get locked in a cage for just victimless crimes, for just, you know, taking some mushrooms and experiencing that trip, uh, experiencing your consciousness and your feelings. I have to say I agree. I think it's fucked up. It's, uh, it should be one of our rights as a sovereign adult. If we are truly sovereign over our consciousness, you know, and they talk about rights and freedoms and you can do whatever you want. Okay, well, if that's true, then shouldn't we be able to just pop something, take something, and just explore our consciousness and get super fucked up and go meet an entity deep in our, our trip? You know, I, I don't get it. I have a real issue with that, how people's lives are completely ruined by their records just because they wanted to have some fun or, you know, loosen up or experience this. It seems to me that these laws that are put in place to protect us do much more harm than good. What's worse, taking some mushrooms and tripping for a night and waking up and everything is back to normal again, or getting caught with the mushrooms, getting thrown in jail, you're a felon, because this is not something you're supposed to have, even though it's natural. And then your your life is ruined. You can't get a job because you're a felon and you have this on your record and you got to pay a fine. And yeah, it seems to me these laws do more harm than good. Don't take my word for it. Not everybody's a fan of logic. I'm a fan of logic. Things that make sense, Occam's razor, that's the way it should be. But, you know, it's kind of like arguing with a girl. Even if you're right, you're not right. You know, I don't know. So I was wondering just the other day, people believe in reincarnation and resurrection and post, you know, afterlives, past lives, previous lives. So let's, let's assume that that's the case. Let's pretend that there is an afterlife and there is a reincarnation. I was wondering to myself as I was kind of drunk, you know, sort of, when you're, when you're on things and when you've consumed certain things, you tend to think differently. Your brain literally acts differently based on certain chemicals and the way, the basic mindset that you're in, right? So I was drunk and I was just thinking, if reincarnation is real, like how are we reincarnated? How are we, re how are we resurrected? How old are we? Like if you live to be 50 and you die and you're, you're resurrected and reincarnated, what age do you show up at? 50? Or do you start back over at one, but you're the same person? Like Kim Kardashian and the Kardashian families in general, they're fake as fuck. Literally, their bodies are made out of like 30% plastic. So like if they die and they're reincarnated, is the plastic part of them again? Or, or are they just reincarnated as naturally how they would have been without the human uh, operations to add these plastics? Interesting thought. Um, another thing... 
since we're on the subject, since we're on the topic of life and death in general, is uh, is uh, simulation theory. And this is, as Shannon has mentioned, if you listen to him, uh, this is kind of a, a deeper topic, and it's not one that you can just jump into with anyone. you got to have a willing participant who consents to trying to get so deep with you. My girlfriend Taylor, for example, <clears throat> she just she's not into that shit. She's not into deep discussions. She's not she's into like let's talk about fucking Facebook and Instagram and video games and movies. She doesn't really like to go deep. I like to go deep. I like to talk about shit, the universe, death, life, religion. I love that stuff. I make it my business to know more than the average person about these very topics. Um uh, Ancient civilizations, one of my favorite topics. Uh, multitude, plenitude, things that... Super cool shit, right? Okay, well, simulation theory. If you're not subscribing to any other theory like the Big Bang Theory or reincarnation or resurrection or religion, uh, heaven, hell, if none of those things make sense to you, I urge you to check out the simulation theory. Vsauce. V-S-A-U-C-E. Check out those channels. Those guys have all sorts of information. Well, or Riddle, R-I-D-D-D-L-E, three Ds. On YouTube, they talk about many things, but one of my favorite videos from each respective channel is the idea of simulation theory. If you've never heard of that, it is the idea that we live in a simulation. If you've ever heard of the game The Sims, where we control virtual characters well that's essentially simulation theory the idea is that we are sims characters and we have autonomy activated meaning we have this illusion of free will and we go around living our life but really we're just characters and who's to say that that's not possible it's certainly within the realm of possibility right if you've ever played The Sims or any other game where you're controlling a person, imagine for a moment you give that person the illusion of free will. He has a consciousness, he has a mind, he has a brain, and just you're not in control anymore, just let him do his own thing, but it's still a video game. You can watch, you can observe. He will go to sleep when he wants, when he's tired, he'll fuck his girlfriend whenever she allows him, if he's dating a girl that ever wants sex, that is. You know, he'll, he'll have this illusion of free will, but he won't be. You know, he'll have no idea of knowing that he's a character. Maybe he could think, you know, to the extent of, am I a character or am I a person? Am I real or is this some sort of simulation? Well, that's simulation theory. The idea that humans aren't the apex predator. The idea that maybe there is a creator and that we are just simulations. And the arguments against that are, well, we're organic. Okay, well, yes, but human beings really are, are just organic robots, if you think about it. The only difference between us and a robot is we don't need to be greased and oiled and, you know, there's no chip in us and we're not computerized, but we're organic. Is it not the same thing, but just with a different sort of material? A wall, for example, just a wall, whether it's brick or cement you know, sheetrock, whatever. Just think about it. A wall acts as a barrier. 
you cannot walk through a wall, right? I can't. If you can, you got to show me. So we can't walk through a wall. But that's because a wall is acting as it is supposed to. It is acting as a wall. What if somehow we were able to program a wall that only looks like a wall, but if you were to actually pass through it, you could? It would only act as it was programmed to do. Maybe that's the way walls are, you know? It's not as crazy as it sounds at first, because we do have the technology to create things such as this. Uh, a building that only appears to be a building, but it's actually a hologram. You can walk through the walls. So what if walls, you know, what if we programmed solid objects to only act solid as they were? What if the reason that the universe is ever expanding is because it's not finished loading yet? When you load a video game and you see that little percentage, 1% done, 3% done. It's loading the, the, the virtual world, right? Everything is expanding. Everything that was within its realm, you know, its program is expanding for you to go enjoy in this game. It's the same way that the universe is, right? We can only see light that has reached us. And new lights and new stars and new planets are constantly being uh, realized, being discovered. It's not because uh, we just didn't see the shit before. It's because it wasn't visible before the visible universe the visible spectrum of light as new lights hit us that's revealing new stars that are giving off these lights new suns new planets right so maybe the universe just isn't finished loading yet that's simulation theory i tried having this conversation with taylor one night I was feeling deep, right? I said she was playing The Sims, where she was controlling characters. And the only character that really doesn't fully do whatever the fuck they want is the one that you're playing. And you can turn off or on their autonomy. You can just turn everyone's autonomy on and just let them go and watch. And sort of it's like a little movie. What this person does, they go to work, they get up, they go to, you know, they go to sleep, they eat, they shit, they take a shower, they interact. It's, it's sort of like a, a Petri dish right? You're just watching. And I just said, hey, you ever wonder if like Sims characters don't know that they're Sims characters? And you know, she's not into this stuff. She's not deep, so to speak. She just goes, that's dumb. I can turn off their autonomy if I want and just play them as a character. And I said, yeah, but like autonomy, think about that. What if you didn't have the ability to turn on and off their autonomy? What if you didn't have that control or that power? What if these characters didn't know that they were characters, right? It's very possible when technology progresses to a certain point where they are able to create video games like that that essentially give these virtual characters consciousness. And they won't know that they are given this consciousness. They'll just, they'll be asking the same questions we do. Like, is there a God? Is there a creator? What made me? Uh, what made this world that I live in? I, I'm going to work. I'm driving these cars. But what's what made this, right? What if Sims start thinking like that? That'd be no different than the way we think. Is God real? Is life and death real? What happens? What is this? We're organic and this feels real, but is it? Right? Simulation theory. Super cool shit. But you gotta have a brain that thinks deeply to even give a fuck about this stuff. Eh, as much as I adore my girlfriend, she just doesn't have that way of thinking. Um, <clears throat> one thing that I, uh, 
Ah, I got something in my throat. I gotta take a drink quick. I apologize. All I had was a Coca-Cola for some caffeine before this. So I'm starting to get cotton mouth. <clears throat> so when you go into public and you see an attractive man or an attractive woman, how far do you take that? Do you go, oh my God, I would love to fuck that person. Oh my gosh, so beautiful. And you, do you just stare and fantasize? Do you think, wow, I'd love to take that guy or that girl home? How far do you take it? My dad, when I'll go into public with him, and if we see a hot chick, he'll be like, damn, wouldn't that be a treat? Essentially saying, wouldn't it be nice to fuck her? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. I mean, she's hot, but what more do I need to say? <clears throat> and then we'll be like on the ride home, and my dad will be like, man, that girl was gorgeous. Still thinking about her. And that's sort of how he, you know, he in interacts with life like that. I, I don't. You know why? Because I'm loyal, right? If I wasn't loyal and I was a cheating boyfriend and I saw a chick like that, I would fuck her. And that's what I would do. But since I'm loyal and I have a girlfriend and I can't do that, I don't even like looking at hot chicks. It bothers me. It annoys me. If I'm window shopping for things that I can't afford and I put my hands on the glass and I just look through there like, man, I'd sure like to have that. And I was coveting and I was thinking, I want that object, I want that toy, I want that dirt bike, but I can't have any of it. It would just make me sad. I want it, but I can't have it. And that goes for objects or people. So that's how I feel about hot chicks. What's the point of checking out hot chicks? What's the point of looking at them and appreciating how sexy they are when you can't fuck them? All it does is make you sad. I want that toy, but I can't afford it. Okay, now I'm sad. I know that this exists and I want it, but I can't have it. I'm sad. Same concept. I now know that there's another hot chick that I'll never get to fuck. It makes me sad. Am I the only one who thinks that way? My dad said, because I told him this, I was like, why even look at these hot chicks? What's the point? He's like, well, it's they're easy on the eyes. It's, it's cool to look at hot chicks and think, wow, it, it's just enjoyable to look at them. And I'm like, yeah, but looking is gay if you can't touch. If I walk around fucking Target and I see a chick who is hot as fuck, the first thing I think is, wow, I'd love to put my penis in her. But if I can't do that, then why even look at her? I'll just look the other way. I'm like, I don't need to know you exist. I can't bang you. What's the point? It's going to bother me the whole ride home if I see a hot chick that I can't bang. It's going to annoy me. So I just, I don't look at them, you know? If I see a beautiful girl, I'm like, yeah, cool. Another hot chick that I'll never get to fuck. Cool. You know, it just bugs me. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks that way. I don't know. So when I see a good looking person, I just don't even pay any attention. I, I put it out of my mind. What's the point of looking when you can't touch? I don't know. Maybe that's the, maybe I'm the only one who thinks that way. <clears throat> I have a couple of stories I'm going to end with because we're getting to that point again. 55 minutes. God, these go fast when you just have tons of shit to talk about. This is not for everybody. Your average Joe probably couldn't sit down and talk nonstop and entertain for this long, but I'm a bad motherfucker. What can I say? Well, anyway, I've just got a couple of stories, like I said, that I will uh, tell, and then we'll wrap this episode up. So in this 
story. Uh, it is titled Girlfriend's Ex Trying to Fight Me. Hillary had just broken up with me, as I've covered before, and I uh, started hanging out with Ashley when Ashley still had a boyfriend. Actually, now that I think about it, I'm not sure I've told this particular story. But anyway, I told the Steph story, where she still had a boyfriend, but I don't think I told the Ashley story. How I got to start dating Ashley, who I ended up being with for like three years and two months or something, how I got to be with her is I met her on fourth floor Richardson at college where I attended the University of South Dakota and uh, Hillary had broken up with me and this girl Ashley on my floor she was so much like me she had my same personality she made dick jokes she was a pervert she laughed a lot she was funny she was just a little perv and she was this 110 pound gymnastic dancer brunette really nice body just a gorgeous girl and I was like, wow, I'm going to be friends with this girl. And that's honestly all it was. Remember, I had a broken heart. My heart still belonged to Hillary at this time. But she wanted nothing to do with me. She wanted to experience the college life. So I was trying to move on with my life because that's all you can do. You can't just stay sedentary and cry until you die. you got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and move forward. So I was doing my best. Um... Zach DeBoer, one of my high school friends who I no longer stay in touch with, surprise, surprise, uh, he was on the floor with me and we went to the same college and we ended up being on the same floor. And like he said, we were just kind of basic friends in high school. We weren't best friends, but I feel like this is an opportunity for us to become closer, become best friends. That's one thing he told me one day because although we were sort of acquaintances, we weren't really like hardcore friends in high school. And he's like, maybe it's fate. Maybe you, you and I were going to become closer. You know, because we ended up on the same floor. What are the odds of that? There's dozens of floors and different buildings, and here we are on the same floor. Cool shit. Well, anyway, him and I started hanging out with Ashley, just as friends on our floor. And we would constantly be like, that girl's ass is insane. Look at that body. She's beautiful. She's brunette. She's pretty. She's tan. She's petite. Just tiny. Just a gorgeous girl, right? And uh, one night... Uh, Zach and I were hanging out in Ashley's room and we were watching Walker, Texas Ranger, which for some fucking random reason was her favorite show. <laughs> and Ashley bent over and picked something up and she was wearing spandex. And Zach looked and I looked and then we looked at each other and he just raised his eyebrows and shook his head like, yeah, nice. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. We're hanging out with this girl. And she was like one of the guys. She was just a perv. She was super cool. And she had a boyfriend. And uh, her boyfriend went to a different college, so he only saw her like once every two weeks. <clears throat> well, um, I continued to hang out with Ashley. Zach got a different girlfriend and started hanging out with her. But I continued. I was still single. I, was, I continued to hang out with Ashley on my own. And we got to know each other's schedules. And we... Honestly, it was the best of intentions. No, uh, everything was above board. There was no, like, sketchiness. She had a boyfriend, and I respected that. I didn't touch her inappropriately. I didn't talk to her inappropriately. I just let her know, like, hey, you're gorgeous, but we're friends. Cool? Cool. All right. And she was like, yeah, you're really very hot, too. And, you know, I have a boyfriend, so I'm going to act accordingly. And everything was above board. It was cool. But we got to the point where we were hanging out non-stop and it was almost like we were dating because after class she'd be like hey will you come over and i'd say yeah or when my roommate was gone i remember like one day in particular uh i had 
Dr. Phil or Mari or fucking Oprah. You know how those shows were always on in concession? One, then the other, then the other. Well, we're laying on my futon, not next to each other. We were definitely separated because, you know, I respected that she had a boyfriend. But I remember we were laying on the futon and then we just started inching closer and we were like, hey, let's just cuddle as friends, you know, just kind of lay here. And I let her lay in between my chest and arm in my nook. Luckily, as with every day, I would wear deodorant and cologne, so I smelled good. And so I'm sure it was even more inviting. But I just, I felt a connection with her and I... I did feel guilty, but as she was laying in my, you know, nook, so to speak, that word where you're just in between someone's arms or on their chest or you're just laying there, it's a feeling that you can't explain unless you've been there. You know, you have to experience it to know it. Just truly sometime lay with somebody, not sexually, but lay with them just as friends and feel that embrace and feel the warmth that comes with that. It's uh, it's one of the best feelings in the world, better than sex. There's no feeling like it. There's no high like it, where you're just truly in that moment, right? Well, this is this is one of those moments. She was laying on my shoulder, and she was very tired because she hadn't slept much the day before and had a long day of classes, and we were watching Maury, and I just reached over and I started stroking her hair, just kind of sort of like you'd pet a dog's head, but obviously... Not like that, like, hey, good boy. No, it was like I just slowly, from forehead where her hair started, all the way down to the end of her hair, I was just rubbing. Just over and over. But I wasn't paying attention to her. She was falling asleep. I was watching the fucking show. And she just fell asleep, right? And it hadn't really dawned on me that that was such a special moment, although it felt good, because I was lonely and I was single. And she was lonely. She was feeling more and more distant from her boyfriend. And uh, I realized, okay, maybe that was equally as special for her. I, d I don't know. So I'm sitting here stroking her hair, and she fell asleep. And she woke up, and I looked over at her, and we were inches from each other's faces. And we just looked into each other's eyes, and we didn't say anything. She just closed her eyes, and she went back to sleep. She was just, she was so comfortable with me. It felt so good. And imagine being able to fall asleep that easily. You know, in a, so to speak, a stranger's arms. Well, she did. And when she woke up, she let me know, I haven't felt that way in a long time. You make me feel great. I, I feel super happy, you know. And uh, I didn't know that she was planning this, but the next day she broke up with Chris. She broke up with her boyfriend. I don't know what she told him. I don't care what she told him. I was kind of, you know, like, all right, you know. She broke up with him, and uh, she invited me over to her dorm one night when her roommate was gone, and we weren't drunk or anything. We were just hanging out and cuddling and sort of the same thing that I had just told you about. I was just holding her and letting her know that it's okay to just let yourself go. You can trust me. I'm not just a dude like in college that's trying to fuck you. I care about you. You're a good person. I'm a good person, and I'm just, you know, holding her. And she just goes out of nowhere, I want you. And I said, what? And she goes, I want you. And I said, okay, what do you mean? And she goes, you know what that means. And I was like, oh, shit. So we banged. Yeah, but it wasn't just all physical. There was a, it, it all led up to that point where she was just like, wow, I, I really want this guy. It wasn't like a typical college slut that was just like, I want some dick in my pussy. Some cheap whore who will fuck any guy. 
This girl, Ashley, had only been with one other guy, Chris. I was the second guy she had ever been with. And so it must have, she must have felt like this was pretty special, you know? And so that was a really uh, sort of reassuring, good, warm feeling in life to know that somebody else could feel that way about me after being out of a relationship where I was just completely dropped like a sack of shit and somebody I cared about more than anybody and I would have done anything for, Hillary. But she just, she wasn't having it. She didn't value it quite like I did. And so once again, Ashley, uh, well, for the second time that I had felt this way, Ashley, she just, she let me know that I'm, you know, she, she cares about me and life isn't so bad. I, I'm with you here. We're along for the ride. I want you. And so after that, we were together. After that night, we banged and we were official, right? And uh, her ex-boyfriend, Chris, who up until this point had visited the college every couple of weeks or so to see Ashley, probably just a banger, really. I'm, I'm told they didn't have the greatest connection emotionally. And she said she had never felt anything like what she felt with me. Well, one night we are hanging out in my dorm, just watching movies. It's late at night. It's like fucking one in the morning, two in the morning. And there's a knock on my door. And I'm like, I'm not expecting anybody, you know, who is that? So I go and I look through the peephole and it's her ex-boyfriend. And I said, hey, Chris is here. And there's two dudes, Chris and his friend. And she's like, please don't open the door. Please don't open the door. And I said, why? And she goes, they're not here for any good reason. And I looked out the, the peephole and I'm like, I'll fuck both of these dudes up. Chris maybe weighed 130 pounds, soaking wet. His fucking biceps weren't any bigger than my forearms. He was a tiny dude, right? And he was drunk and his friend was drunk and they came to confront me. They came to fight me. They came to let me know that I fucked up by messing with those dudes. And I was like, Ashley, just let me open this door. You know, if they throw the first punch, they're going to be eating their teeth. I'll break these dudes in half. You know, I at the time was the fittest I've ever been. I, I could have thrown these dudes through a wall and I wasn't angry and I had nothing against them. In fact, I felt bad. I felt bad that I had taken this guy's girlfriend. She was amazing. I was like, wow, I feel bad for you, man. I took this girl from you. I would be suicidal if I lost a girl like this. And he was knocking on the door and saying, let me in. Come on out here. I just want to talk to you. And he, he was drunk. He probably would have made a bad decision. But Ashley said, please, for me. And I really wanted to open that door. It was sort of like a, you're challenging me. You're coming to my dorm room where I'm enjoying time with my girl. And you're threatening me. You know, I wanted to fuck this guy up. And, oh my gosh, it wouldn't have even been a fight. These dudes were tiny. And they were, like, thinking they're all tough, puffing their chests out. I could have punched a hole through them. But because Ashley begged me, she said, please don't open the door. I just, I didn't open the door. I laid back down. She goes, please just lay here. And she held me. And she really didn't want that door to open. She didn't want anyone to get hurt on, you know, because of her. She felt responsible for what was then occurring. Right? And... What a, what a sweetheart, you know, what a good person to step up and say, I know this is happening because of me and I just, please don't do that. Please don't go in there. Please don't open the door. Please don't go out there. Please don't let this happen. And, uh, and so nothing happened. He just kept knocking and he was like, oh, fuck you, you know. And the only other time I saw him, he walked away after that, by the way. Nothing happened. Never saw him again until one other time. 
and I was driving on my way to uh, the University of South Dakota on the interstate or highway, whatever it was, and I, I saw out of the corner of my eye someone's driving parallel with me. And you try to put it out of your mind, you try to ignore it, and you just go, okay, this person's probably staring at me. But this person did it for the longest time. They were just like, when I'd speed up, they'd speed up. When I'd slow down, they'd slow down. And I'm like, okay, clearly this person's got beef. I don't know who the fuck this is. So I look over. I look to my right, and it's Chris. And he's flipping me off, and he's like yelling shit, and I can see that he's like saying stuff. I can't understand him. I don't read lips. And I just smile at him, and I I wave. And he speeds off. I don't know if he was like trying to get me to pull over or what, but he was clearly pissed. He was, he knew who I was and I knew who he was. Her fucking ex-boyfriend happened to be right there. And that was the last time I ever saw him. I'm sure that if he ran into me today, like enough time has passed now that he wouldn't try to fight me. Not that I would have to, because I'm not with Ashley anymore. We're both in the same boat. We both got dumped by Ashley. So, uh, you know, even though it was for different reasons, you know, he got dumped for another guy. I got dumped because I didn't want to have kids and a family and I was depressed and whatnot. But, you know, life, life is interesting. We all are on these different paths and that was his, that was hers, that was mine. Interesting stuff. I'm going to wrap this podcast up one hour and 10 minutes in. So I'll do another one sometime soon. Could be a day, could be a week, could be a month, could be a year. I'm not going to let you guys hang that long. But anyway, I will tell more stories. I will tell more on this day in history. I will I will fill you with wisdom and all sorts of shit. Anyway, uh, take care. Hope all is well. I know that sounds weird because people aren't like that anymore, but I really do hope that everything is well with you. And if not, you always have somebody to talk to or to listen to. Here I am. Till next time. Bye-bye.